0: What's the most wonderful time of the year? Christmas! And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture Blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky Blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy Holidays from Minky Couture.
3: This is an official download from TheCustardTV.com
1: It's The Custard TV podcast afternoon, if you're listening to this then. I'm Luke, uh, joined as always by Matt from the Northern Area. Uh,
3: Hello, how are you?
1: I'm alright. I don't know why we go through this, Gerard. I know you're okay. I don't know why we pretend we don't know how (laughs) you... As if this would just start recording and just... Fine, let's just
3: be polite then. Let's not be polite.
1: But today we have to be somewhat polite because we have a okay. new TV obsessive joining us this week. We've got Elaine from the Honeymoon Period podcast.
0: Hello, Elaine. Hello, I am absolutely delighted to be here. I am a big fan. I'm going to have to hold in all the fangirling because uh, yeah, it would get a bit much. This has
1: never happened before. This has <laughs> never happened before. Don't hold any of it in. We'll enjoy it. That's quite nice to know there's at least one fangirl out there. Tell us about your podcast. And also, I read in the blurb that you can't say the word asterisk. And so, how often does it come up That's the other thing? I I had never really thought about whether I could pronounce it or not, and I got a bit worried that I could, and I tried it. I've been doing it since last night. I'm okay. But it can't come up that often that it poses a problem in your life.
0: It clearly does, because it's something that my husband picked up on um, probably a couple of years ago. Because I, I do talk about things. Oh, we need to put some asterisks on them, or some asterixes, or yeah. You know. And he's like, what do you mean aster? <laughs> like asterix like the barbarian? <laughs> I'm like, no, and no, like, and that's you know the little star thing. Like, that's that's not. And so it became it became a thing. It became a that's thing. True. So then you know when you're looking for like a comedy thing to put on your yeah. podcast blurb, that yeah. became my comedy thing.
1: So tell us about where you are, how people can find you and what you're all about.
0: So I'm a a huge fan of podcasts. They've been a real comfort to me in my life. I'm always really interested into why people started doing their podcast. And there's so many of us out there now creating podcasts. So it's just exciting for me when I hear anyone from the north, anyone with an accent, I get quite excited about. Only because when I listen back to my own, I think I'm really posh. Then I listen back to my own and I'm clearly a character from Biker Grove. So so it's it's really quite nice to hear those different voices. So anytime Matt says he's in the Northern area, I'm like, I'm also in the Northern area. But the Northeast, Northeast of England, Newcastle upon Tyne.
1: You do sound slightly Biker Grove-esque, but I wasn't, mm. wasn't going to say it. I thought, of, I, know. I thought we'd get together and get to know each other a little bit more before I sort of slot the theme tune in <laughs> quietly behind every time you speak. But I won't do that. not know
3: if we have to explain like a grave to our younger listeners if
1: we have no, any. No, I, I think there nobody's <laughs> no young kids are listening.
2: <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast.
1: A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those?
2: Uh definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use
1: your ears and trust them.
3: This is the Custard TV podcast.
1: Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com Where can people find the honeymoon period and either catch up with the latest or start it from the very beginning
0: so the honeymoon period podcast was a podcast that my husband and I created during the first lockdown do you remember that Um, many many moons ago when we were told that we weren't able to leave the the house so we had had a a particularly difficult time we had had a bereavement and we decided that to sort of give our friends and family uh, some comfort that we were kind of all right um, and also because we talked about starting a podcast for ages. We are avid, right. avid listeners of podcasts. So we thought, well, you can, you can sort of put it together. Let's make a podcast. Let's talk about what we're watching film and TV wise. So we created the Honeymoon Period podcast, a bit of a tongue in cheek sort of title. And so sort of we we'd only just got married a few years before. <laughs> uh, then we'd had this sad bereavement. And then we yeah. were kind of stuck in the house together. So we created the human period podcast and it was picked up by the guardian and we were picked up in some mm. other magazines as well and it, it kind of blew up and we thought that uh, mark's mom would be our one and only dedicated listener and then we started finding out that people were listening who weren't our friends uh, which was terrifying but also lovely and then we started to get messages you know the think like, like you do on the podcast and it just grew and grew and grew so now we're a couple of years in we're 117 episodes and it's something that gives us a great deal of joy nothing better than getting you know sort of getting in from work sitting on the night time and then getting the recorder out and going okay let's sit on the sofa our little one's in bed let's just talk about telly and film and what we've been watching so that's uh, the honeymoon period podcast and you can find right. it anywhere you get your podcasts
1: and i should clarify for anyone who thinks it's fun to sit home at night and get the recorder out elaine wasn't referring to that awful instrument we all had to play at school because there's not, <laughs> nothing fun about sitting around in your own house playing that video, you I, can, I can attest there's only so many times i could do three blind mice before everyone in the house would leave Frère no. Jacques was always. Oh, oh yeah, well you were perhaps more cultured in your house if you were doing Frère <laughs> Jacques. Favorite show of the year so far, Elaine? Do you have one?
0: Bad Sisters. Thank Bad you. Bad Sisters. You can, you
1: can come on again. Have you finished it?
0: Yeah, I finished it yesterday. Yeah. Just oh, amazing. Just amazing. Absolutely Got better and better amazing. With every
1: episode. So many shows struggle to do light and dark well, and that just nailed it at every possible turn. I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah, Bad Sisters, you, you can find our review of that from a few months ago. You can also find our review on the site itself, thecustadtv.com. Also, yesterday, the news came out that one of my favourite TV personalities, uh, Robbie Coltrane, died at the age of 72 with a big piece on his show, Cracker, uh, from, from, I think it was October 2021, so you can find that on the site now. That show is part of the reason why I am the TV obsessive I am. So somebody had to be blamed and partly it's what we call train and cracker. The writing in that is phenomenal. His performance is phenomenal and the piece that we've got on the site echoes that and explains why it was such an influential show on all of us. Also, our upcoming TV page has all the latest news. If you're one of these people who has every streaming service, has every TV channel but never knows what's on where and when, then check out that page We've got it in date ordering, in A to Z, all the things we know to be coming. There's a lot coming up, uh, and that is the one place you can find it in TV and streaming. On the show this week, you will be listening to Elaine, Matt, and I discuss the new Channel 4 drama, Somewhere Boy... Uh, we'll talk about the first two episodes there's also a new netflix show called the watcher a new apple tv streaming show called shantaram and a channel 5 drama that even though matt has told me the title three times before we started recording i still know none the wiser on it what's it called matt the house
3: across the street
1: from the woman in the window that was that
3: awful christian bell thing earlier in the year that's what you're confusing it with
1: We'll start, though, with Channel 4's new drama, Somewhere Boy. This is a new eight-part drama in half-an-hour chunks. This is the story of Danny, played by newcomer Lewis Gribben. Danny has lived his entire life sort of in confinement, really. He lost his mother at an early age. His father, Steve, played by Rory Keenan, uh, has kept him somewhat prisoner. Think of the movie Room and stuff like that, except he's been told that he can't go outside because the world is too dangerous the the insinuation is that steve has kept him in the house for his own safety filled the boy's head with stories of monsters and the, how dangerous the outside world is and the two have been living in one house together listening to old records and playing black and white films where everything is perfect and he hasn't got to explain anything to his son And then on the eve of his 18th birthday, Steve commits suicide. Presumably because he knows once Danny gets to past 18, he can't technically keep him prisoner or locked up anymore. So when he commits suicide at the start of the first episode, Danny's life turns upside down. Because he meets his Aunt Sue, played by Mum's Lisa McGrills, who takes him in under her wing and into her house that she shares with her partner, two young children, and her uh, teenage son, Aaron. And it's basically a a, a fish-out-of-water story with Danny not being aware of how the world works and believing still that there are monsters out there that can attack us and that the world is dangerous. He knows nothing. His references are all of old films and old music, In the second episode he attends his father's funeral which only that small group of people i told you about attend along with a a girlfriend that he went out with once who has very little to say about it danny chooses a piece of music for the funeral by marty robbins that everybody thinks is a bit peculiar but it's a brilliant fish out of water story it's almost like the man who fell to earth danny has no idea of personal space, he runs away briefly, gets lost and ends up in the bed of an unsuspecting neighbour who's getting out of the shower but he's almost not been able to grow outside of the four or five year old that he was when he lost his mother and at the end of the second episode Danny learns that his mother was killed by a hit and run driver and that sends him on a course to try and track this man down and learn more about what his life would have been had his mother been around. I'll go to Elaine first because Elaine is novel and I want to know her thoughts.
0: I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to watch the first two episodes. Such an interesting Mm. premise. It had this sort of, I don't know about you, but I felt like this almost post-apocalyptic atmosphere and, and an ominous feeling, but then peppered with these musical interventions that come out of nowhere like you say this is this song by Marty Robbins that comes in in the funeral um, yeah. references to old hollywood cuz uh, danny loves watching these classic hollywood films so it moves tonally in a really interesting manner but in a way that captures my imagination anyway and because it's only half an hour I was left really, really wanting to know more. So at the end of episode one, I was like, all right, I'm really glad we're watching two episodes here. I want to Mm. see what what goes on next. But such an interesting atmosphere, that house in in the middle of nowhere with Danny sitting, like, say, watching these classic Hollywood films with his dad out in a phone box, and then his dad coming back to the house, putting a motorbike helmet on and carrying a gun. And you think, what's going on here? And then he's coming into how he's clearly leading Danny to believe that things are going on in the world that aren't necessarily happening. And then, like you say, that that journey of exploration of Danny coming out into the world. And I, I agree with what you're saying about sort of the, the Man Who felt Worth. It's very childlike. It's explorative. I really, really loved it.
1: I was just enraptured by it. I think Lewis Gribbon is just so incredibly gentle in the role. And Another actor, he might come across creepy, but you just see him, as, as you say, childlike. He's got a real warmth to him. I also think that Aaron is an interesting character as well because he's been out in the world... But he's struggling to fit in within his new family. He's never had the girlfriend, but he's always sort of bragging on the outside that he has. And he doesn't really fit in either, so they've, they become kindred spirits. Lisa McGrill's character is really interesting because she takes to Danny immediately. But as the show goes on, you can see she has a lot of guilt of not intervening sooner. She was well aware of what her brother was doing, keeping this boy locked up and away from the world but didn't feel she could intervene because he was going through so much grief. The writing is spot on, it's very gentle, it's very human. As the world expands in future episodes, because I have seen nearly the whole thing now, I just found it completely spellbinding, And, and I think the writer here has done such an incredible job of telling this story of a father and son, which on the face of it feels like he just wants to keep him safe, but it goes so far and to have to commit suicide to set him free. Just amazing. And, and I, I think the boy they've got to portray him at young age, and then we see him again later on as a teenager, just brilliantly. And I, I, I should have said that Aaron is played by uh, Samuel Bottomley. Matt, how did you get on with it? Yeah, I, I liked this. I
3: I possibly didn't enjoy it as much as you did, because what, what made you go on, can I just ask?
1: It's rare. I mean, we were just talking about Bad Sisters. It's rare to watch something where you have no idea where it's going or how it's going to progress or what you're going to learn about. I just felt really compelled. I just found the, the world really interesting, the people really interesting. It was a really warm experience. Yeah, I, I really wanted to keep going and keep going. In fact, when we got the episodes, I watched the first five straight uh-huh. away. Um, I found it really interesting.
3: Yeah it's certainly intriguing and and I, I get that you, that you wanted to go on but I never was really really engrossed in it and I'm not sure why that might just be me. Um, Sounds like as it. You, but as you both said like the you know, anachronistic use of like the old music I love that early scene where the police are trying to get into the farm and he's just puts the song on on the record yeah. player and blasts it loud and and they do that quite a lot. You've got these really sort of dramatic set pieces against these classic songs, which I thought was a really interesting plot device. As you said, the performances were excellent. Lewis Gribbon is fantastic. He's got like a wide-eyed in- innocence about him. He's great at uh, portraying this fish-out-of-water character almost. I was reading an interview with him and he's got um, Asperger's himself. So he's possibly... Bought some of that into it i i really liked as well as you said luke about the aaron character and it's sort of telling that story about even though he's sort of lived a quote unquote normal life he's still got all these hang-ups and he's awkward and i did go on to watch the third episode where he goes down the pub with
0: people you
3: that. know danny's there with him and he's observing him and he's like they're not really your friends you know you, you don't they don't really seem to like you very much yeah and and lisa mcgrills is excellent i think you pick up on that early on that she has got that guilt and she wants to make up for lost time that she didn't have perhaps with her brother as you say as well the young actor they do seem very similar they have cast him very well so yeah a very different program yeah I probably will end up watching it because it is, as you say, it's only eight half an hour, so... Uh,
1: I do like, I know Elaine hasn't seen it, but when they go to the pub, he orders a martini, which is great. They're all ordering beers, and he says, can I have a martini, which I thought was, was brilliant. The other thing that interested me about it was another drama like this might have focused on... Danny being sort of reintegrated into the system, but it was like he had a social worker and somebody to help him who had little time for it. Really, you'd hope that if this were to ever happen, that he'd have more of a support network around him. Mm,
0: I think it it rang very, very true to life, unfortunately. And I'm mm. someone who has family circumstances where we do have a lot of yeah. contact with um, healthcare professionals. I have a, a lot of people who say to me, oh, I wish I could do more or, you know, but, but resourcing and things. So it kind of yeah. it really rang true rather than saying, oh, he's going to have all this support and everything's going to be great. Actually, when the social worker comes around and says, actually, you're getting more than many other people would get in these yeah. cases. That really rang true. The other thing that I really liked about it and, and sort of set it apart from other shows that might have gone down a, a different route is this idea of Steve, the dad, as the villain and it, I think in many other shows it would have been absolutely 100% he is terrible he's awful, He's mm. he's been very abusive to his son but there's a light and, and shade here where you can understand why he's taken the steps that he has taken and there are some beautiful scenes, those flashbacks between him and the young Danny especially that, that funeral scene always springs to mind because there's a flashback there where you see him dancing to the song and he's dressed mm. and he's got a long robe and, and they're doing the actions of the song and It's absolutely beautiful and you can see that the joy and the love between the father and son in this very strange habitat that they've created for themselves or at least Steve's created for him and and his son you can feel this this need to protect and that it is coming from a positive place rather than a negative although of course it will have negative connotations for Danny not being allowed out in the world and, and feeling that there are monsters as soon yeah. as he leaves the door, but I thought that was very cleverly done that we're not just thinking, "Oh, Steve, the dad, oh he's he's a monster." And I think it does ask questions of that as well. Like, who is the monster here? And you know, when you're talking about th- what's happened to Danny's mum, I really thought that end of episode two that, oh, that's really clever. They're now moving who the monster is away from Steve to maybe the person who's had an an impact on Danny's mum's life. So, yeah, I, I thought it was very clever.
1: You're, you're right, actually, because they could have just painted him as mentally unstable or ill, and they, they don't. They paint a very warm father and son relationship. And I appreciated the fact that because Danny's not been out in the world, he is sort of has no filter, and so he can say things. Not being aware of how that might come across, he doesn't mean to offend, but he can be quite blunt. But he's got this childlike... Warmness to him, so nobody ever really takes offense. It's one of the most unique shows we've watched in a year of quite unique shows. I will go back to Bad Sisters, I'll go back to Severance, I'll go back to This Is Gonna Hurt and The Responder, and all, all these shows that feel intimate. And this has got that sense the of the bear, being of in- course, as yeah, well. Yeah, the bear. This show has that intimacy as well, where you feel as a viewer you are looking in to a world that you don't quite understand and you just have to let it explain itself as it goes and I think the more Danny learns about life and the person that took his mum's life it's really fascinating and I'm Really quite angry at Matt that, that he didn't enjoy it to the level that we did, but I'm happy yeah. I don't to know
3: what I think. Talking about it, I've possibly come away with more of an appreciation about it. And yeah. as you say, it is very unique. I would say as well the way that they've shot it plays into it. You know, very sort of disorientating when you see things from Danny's perspective, especially when he's taken into the hospital initially, and the way that scene is shot, I thought was was really interesting. The dialogue actually of all the shows we watched this yeah. week is the only one that sort of rings true to me, not to spoil alert for the
1: rest of it, spoiler alert for <laughs> the <rest of> it.
3: <laughs> um just like little bits of the dialogue as you say after the funeral with the, is it Eva Pope who plays yeah. the
1: Who I've not seen character. since Waterloo Road. Has she she been a real head teacher all this time and just come back to acting? Because I've not seen her for years.
3: I don't think so, Luke. Okay.
1: If I was to to guess.
3: But where they were talking about going for this, like, buy one, get one free meals at a pub, and he had both meals, and I just thought that was really sort of well observed dialogue that you didn't have to include. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. And and like when they're down the pub as well with the. uh... Yeah,
1: with the martinis it's really unlike anything else I think we've reviewed on the podcast before and we urge you to seek it out either in the double bills after 10 o'clock or on all four next up then we will do um, what did we
0: say next actually Matt we said the watcher didn't we next
1: yeah we we said the watcher
0: it's only because you said I had to open it and now I'm now terrified well let's see
1: how this goes then we're all excited
0: (laughs) Um, aren't we (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, The Watcher, brand new show from Netflix, all available now. Is it worth your time? What's it all about, Last Lane?
0: So this is the latest show from Ryan Murphy, who my husband had to remind me this morning did Glee. But I know him most from American Crime Story and American Horror Story. Anyway, this is his new big Netflix show. We're with Bobby Cannavale and Naomi Watts in a car. They are Nora and Derek Brannick. They're going to visit what they mention as Paradise, So they're going to this suburban estate, this beautiful estate. I think it's in New Jersey. There's massive houses everywhere, there's picket fences, there's people at a a sports club, beautiful cars. It's paradise, so they say. So you probably know it's not going to be. They've got their beautiful kids in the car. It's Ellie and Carter. Ellie's a teenage girl. Carter's a little bit younger. And the camera looms in on this gorgeous house that they're going to view. Beautiful house. And it stays there for a a lot longer than you might expect. Looming in to the, the windows, people in the windows, people looking at this house. They must buy it. They must buy it. He goes back to work and he says, oh, Ab. I've been bankrupt, I've clearly had lots of financial difficulties, but my wife, who apparently is some kind of artist, we want this house. I want my kids to grow up in their own rooms. I find that an interesting concept considering this house seems to have about 20-25 rooms. This is the house for us, I will do anything to have this house. I will put all my money and everything that I have into this house, so they buy the house. Move in. There are some interesting neighbours, people that trespass on their property they have what is known as a dumb waiter in the house, which is essentially this almost, it's like lift that you take food up in so you'd put the food at the, at the bottom into this kind of like lift that goes up through the house and then someone would pull it up it'd go right up to the top and then you'd be able to get the food out at the top of the house so if you've got multi-stories you can send food up and down and one of the neighbours decides that he likes to ride up and down in the dumb waiter so there's some really really interesting things it's quite ominous you get the sense that there are people within the house that aren't meant to be there you get the sense that they are being watched and then they get a letter, a strange letter that talks about wanting to know the names of their children, that they wanted young blood in the house, that they are being watched and it's signed, I I am the watcher. So they take the uh, letter to the, the police. Funnily enough, the policeman is played by, if you've ever seen Grease 2, it's Goose, which gave me a bit of a chuckle. We
1: were, <laughs> we were going to go with a TV reference and say he was brilliant in hacks. <laughs> And Elaine's uh, just gone. he's from Greece too.
0: <laughs> See, that, that is the level of reference that you will okay. get from, from I'll okay, Never Be Allowed very. On Again. So police aren't taking it very seriously. And they come back to the house and essentially that's where we get to. They're, they're in this house. Things are happening. Are they Are they going to stay? Are things going to escalate? Who knows?
3: Were you looking forward to this? Because I, I got the impression yes, you were. Yes, because I'm or... an
1: idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I got suckered in by the fact that this has a... Why
3: were you looking forward to it? Because
1: it's got a really good cast. People I really like. Bobby Cannavale, Margot Martindale, Richard Kind, the guy from *Greece* 2... You know, a lot, a lot of people I really like. Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, Jennifer
3: Coolidge. I forgot Jennifer
1: Coolidge. Of course, that was the first red flag. Don't buy a house from Jennifer Coolidge. She's probably off her head on something. This is far more. Not that I've seen any of American Horror Story, but this is more. Turn up the kookiness and the ridiculousness. Turn it up and up and up. And what they've effectively done, I believe, is they've taken the real life story of This couple that bought this house had these letters from somebody claiming to be watching them, The Watcher, which in real life, I'm afraid to say, was never unsolved. I don't know how the show deals with it. But they've taken that idea, I think, and then applied the horror story mould to it. So, where we were saying about somewhere, boy, felt very believable, very grounded, very intimate. This is very large, very big, ridiculous, hokey stuff. You know, he talks about he wants the kids to have a yard to play in, like they're five and six. And they're teenage. Yeah. I don't understand how old the son's supposed to be. I think um, he's about eleven or twelve. But he's, he? he's really young. He's like re- he's been written incredibly young, and you know he's got this yeah. ferret who around who that ferret. Moved. This ferret he's got was obviously going to meet a, meet a bad end because I've never seen a show with the ferret where the ferret doesn't get killed. Boy,
3: how many shows with the ferret have you seen? <laughs> this and another one. Um, <laughs>
1: Well, you know, have you not seen all the ferret dramas on Netflix, Matt? Come on. It's just ridiculous. It's very telling that Netflix has stopped giving these out to critics to see before because they don't need to. They know that critics will probably lambast it and give it a bad name, but they don't really need to. People go on to Netflix, they say, well, what's this new thing, The Watcher? They apparently switch their brains off and enjoy it and it'll be the number one thing on Netflix this week, I guarantee. Yeah, it it, it, it already is. Well, there you go. Proves my point. So that sort of says to you that it doesn't matter how ridiculous these things are, Netflix sort of know their audience, even though from our perspective their shows seem to be wildly inconsistent and all over the place people will just lap this up it's quite short at seven episodes but it was just ridiculous i didn't believe a moment of the family dynamic i didn't believe a moment of the world i thought people were in different types of shows at different times Margot martindale and richard kinder this couple next door who appeared to be in their own sitcom I don't quite know what's going on there. Then you've got... Who is uh, Woody Allen's wife or was? Oh, Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow. You've got her in a com- in sort of period costume with this <laughs> mentally unstable... I don't know if he's a dad or a son or who. it never really explained it in that opening. I She's, is it meant to be a husband or a family member? Is Maybe it? Heather? I thought it
0: was a son, but yeah. yeah but he's <laughs> a lot
1: older, though, I don't know. The, That's right, yeah. These aren't the sort of questions that are going to keep me up at night because I won't watch any more of the show. It is... It is completely ridiculous, and uh, yeah, that's all I can say about it.
0: Oh, you're not wrong, but I watched episode two. Oh,
1: (laughs) you're one of them. Go on. I think for me,
0: have you ever played that game where you pretend you've won the lottery and you um, go on the estate agent's websites and you look at the most expensive house and you imagine yourself in it? That's kind of, you know, how I spend most of my weekends. And th- I think that's the thing that really captured my imagination was, oh, they've brought this beautiful house in paradise. And what if this happened to you? And Because it was a true story, because this had actually happened, someone had written about it in um, a newspaper a couple of years ago, and it had become this, this big story. I was just really intrigued as to you know, that concept of you get the house of your dreams. And then what happens when you start getting these letters? What do you do next? And so I wanted to know what the next bit of the story was. But you're completely right. I was cleaning at the same time. It was that put a load of washing in, do do a bit of a clean. Their house
1: made your house feel untidy.
0: Yeah. Oh, massively, (laughs) massively. I'm looking around my house, thinking, what, what on earth has gone wrong here? I was intrigued as to what, was, what the next part of the of the story would be and I, I suspect I might keep going with it but wow. just very much as I just kind of want to know I want, I want to know and my understanding is that in real life there might not be sort of an ending to it it might not have all no, been packaged up that is true but I quite want to know what Ryan Murphy is doing with this story taking something true and then and then changing it and I'll probably regret it I'll get to the end and I think what have I done? But, yeah, I went on to episode two. But you're, you're totally right. It's totally unbelievable. I mean, he makes sort of weird old statements to his daughter. I found that oh, a yeah. little bit...
1: Very up- weird. Very strange.
0: Uh, don't wear lipstick and don't show your bra straps. And as I, <laughs> I, as a, I'm telling totally a- Luke
3: that all the time, though, Elaine, to be fair. <laughs>
0: uh, but, uh, why do you think
1: I've not got a webcam on, Matt? And you know she's a... going to have
3: it off with the alarm, <laughs> boy. Do you
1: think it did a good enough job we had this usual thing that we get a lot in these below the bar dramas where we don't see what their previous life was like apparently <laughs> they lived in squalor in the slums and they only had one bedroom they, I imagine they could they have at like least showing us uh... yeah. Their apartment, I, I think, was imagine, the way scene. they described it, they were like the buckets in Charlie and the mm. Chocolate Factory where they were probably all in one bed and they had all their food in one plate. But, but I can't I
3: mean, imagine the two kids sharing a room. That would, no, that, that didn't seemed, ring that true
1: at
0: all, did it? They are all beautifully turned out, weren't they? They all looked absolutely yeah. spectacular. And he was working for some sort of financial company or so, something yeah. like that. In Was it in New York? Or did we have, like, a um, I if my memory serves me, there was a lived in the city in New York. New York. Matt, you've
1: got a better ability to switch your brain off and let things like this wash over you. Were you able to do it here?
3: It was fine, and I sort of understand why Elaine is intrigued enough to watch more. It is very much the Netflix effect where they do enough to hook you for the next episode, but all the criticisms that we've given to it already, I completely agree with. I think... It's a ridiculously stacked cast for something that is absolutely ridiculous. Even though it's sort of built on a true story, I can't imagine that there were these sort of kooky neighbours. I'm imagining the true story is literally they just got these letters. I'm not sure. I haven't read into it more than that. I know as well that this isn't the first time this story's been adapted. Apparently it was a Lifetime movie.
1: So what they've done is taken the lifetime movie and gone, we can pay people, good-looking people that people recognise to be in in our version.
3: This does feel like a really like well filmed, brilliantly cast lifetime movie to an extent. But all the characters, as you mentioned, with Mia Farrow and Margaret Martindale, Richard Kind, they are all weird, almost sort of like Victorian characters, aren't they? It's it's yeah. very sort of hot fuzz, isn't it? It's very <laughs> like you, you've moved into oh. this backwater town where everyone's got, like, these really traditional attitudes. I think it also, would have been better they had been less kooky and they were just, like, normal neighbours, but you got a sense that there was something going on underneath. Like, there were hints that maybe Christopher McDonald, cop and the, as I call him, the alarm boy, the security guy, were also a bit dodgy. You've got sort mm. of like little lines and little looks, but you know, the, the guy that we talked about who's riding the dumb waiter and Margot Martindale who's just gone through the neighbouring bush to do some pruning, you know all these characters are a bit odd and a bit kooky anyway. So there's not as much sort of ambiguity. Jennifer Coolidge is in a completely different programme. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: know you
0: but
3: mentioned that, that. I, I wanted to watch that one. The Jennifer Coolidge like country club like yeah. Selling Sunset type yeah. uh, the
1: real thing where she's this estate agent.
3: I don't understand why they bought the daughter a piano and then she barely played it.
1: They were always getting told that she was playing it too loud in the middle but of the night. But wasn't that
3: they were hearing it and then Bobby Carnavalli said she never plays it? Oh, that was one of the things, wasn't it? You saw Morgan hearing... Did she actually play the piano? Cause we she
1: she does on. play
0: the piano at some. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, she okay. did play it eventually. She... she played it. But yeah. when they said it to them, she mm-hmm. hadn't actually played it.
0: Yeah.
3: And that you were meant to go, oh, that's a bit spooky.
1: Eerie. But Eerie. Piano in
3: the <laughs> house and no playing. It looked like the watcher was trying to bankrupt them because then they spent like the seven grand on the security system you know every time they had to spend a lot of money Naomi Watts would do a look like we can't afford this
1: yeah but look how beautiful I am we can't afford
3: this (laughs) and she she Elaine was a was a potter that's what she did she She had a potter's wheel out at some point there's going to be one where she
1: does it with the watcher but he's behind her and we can't see who it is (laughs) you touched on the dumb waiter it brings that that phrase must have come up about six times everyone else was happy with him going in the dumb waiter well i'm gonna get mm. rid of the dumb waiter. like i thought it was like a bingo game if i had to have a drink every time they said dumb waiter i may not have made
0: it to the end of the episode <laughs> Quite yeah, a it was very odd
1: very and a mia
0: farrow looked like she was in um you know that american gothic painting yes and yeah, she yeah. just needed a pitchfork and it, yeah, because yeah. you say look, they're dressed in these very, very straight sort of old... F- I and mean, she said she's part of the Preservation Society and that's why yeah. she's obsessed with this. this thing. But I have to admit that when Bobby Cannavale says, we're going to rip the dumb way, it you know, gets really, really annoyed. I was it's with him, take, yeah, it out, just take it out, renovate the house. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he can't ride in
1: it. In the second episode, does he get another ferret? Because that's the only thing that would <laughs> keep me possibly watching. I'm not I'd sure. like a South Park type situation where a ferret dies in every. <laughs> in different ways in every episode we got a lot more steam out of this show than i thought we'd get so i appreciate that and then elaine how many streaming services are you currently <laughs> subscribed to
0: too many it's a constant discussion in our household we're about to uh stop apple for a short oh. where well, we had a, a a trial but um i needed to keep it going because i i thought bad sisters had fewer episodes than it turned out. So I'm like saying to my husband, oh yeah, I'm gonna watch the, I'm gonna watch the final of that. And he was like, Do you know, there's two more episodes. So we had to keep yeah. it going for a bit longer. Yeah. Also, we haven't finished Severance. Oh. And we, it's one of those things where we we get to a night time. Un's in bed, and we're like, right, we need to watch another Severance, but we've done it so so slowly, and then other things have come up. But we okay. we must must finish Severance. We're no. halfway through. Yeah,
1: you need to finish that. Don't cancel it until you yeah. finish Severance. Yeah, okay? so we keep we're and keeping it going. Netflix has got all of the watcher there. Seven episodes, all available for you to watch. And as Elaine quite rightly says, already number one. Uh, coming up next, another creepy drama with ba- about a house of sorts. This one is Channel 5. Now, uh, Lane doesn't know this, but we sort of banned Channel 5 dramas a while ago on the podcast because I had to go... Did
3: we? When you say we, do you mean you?
1: Yes, but I'd like to think of us as a combined entity.
3: <laughs> well, we didn't Cause... ban them as so much as we... You know, the, the last two we watched with The Holiday and Deadline. It's, and I'm and... just
1: worried that somebody's just had a text from The Watcher. Yeah, me. me. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> and then you're watching the podcast
0: recording <laughs> and
1: going, I'm, I wanted new blood and you found a Elaine. <laughs> No, so I ban Channel Five dramas because basically, for pulling the curtain back a little bit, I have to go cap in hand to the Channel Five PR people and say, "Could we please cover your new drama on our podcast?" They go, "Absolutely." Give us the details, and then we spend the podcast ripping that drama to shreds. And I didn't think mm. it was fair, but yeah. this one did have Shirley Henderson, so um, I thought I'd lo- I'd hire the barrier and let one in this week. This is the house across the street. Matt, walk us through it, please.
3: As Luke said, Shirley Henderson, she plays a school nurse called Claudia. She has a son who she shares contact with her ex-partner. They split up uh, when she was going through treatment for breast cancer, uh, which she's now had the all-clear. I think she finds it hard to blend in with people. Uh, She goes back from a doctor's appointment um, with a congratulations cake that she's bought for herself and finds that everyone's out in the streets. Uh, There's a table set up and one of the neighbors comes over to her to say that a little girl called Emily Winter has disappeared and they're all going on one of those searches for her throughout the, the neighboring sort of areas. Claudia almost sort of finds a purpose, suggests that they have a vigil, suggests that they raise money she becomes friends with a couple who who live in the street who foster a uh, or have adopted a little boy in a wheelchair but she finds out something very odd about the the woman there and, and what she does as a pastime but she also strikes up a friendship with uh, george who's a teacher who teaches english for people who don't speak it um and also is a private tutor. She hires George to tutor her son. He seems to also have a bit of a secret, perhaps. He's estranged from his wife. He's got two children. And the first episode basically ends with the revelation of Emily's fate, but we get the impression that Claudia is still going to be the one trying to sort of solve the mystery. Everyone's looking a bit dodgy. Channel 5 dramas, Luke, where does this stack up?
1: Well, in talent, it stacks up. Pretty high. Shirley Henderson is one of the strangest performers on television, and I'm always sort of interested in what she's going to do. I recently, with the family, rewatched Happy Valley, and she's basically playing a very similar character to the one she played in the second series of that, where she was obsessed with Tommy D. Royce. She sort of disappears into herself. She's very mousy. I couldn't get my head around. The idea of the house across the street. What was it referring to? Because did she, did she live across from them, or was it referring to the strange neighbor? I was really sort of confused. Was there was the strange neighbor the house across the street, or the missing child the house across the street?
0: I Think it's meant to be the missing child. That was yeah, my
3: that's what I assumed. Oh, okay.
0: thing with it, yeah. But I think this lends itself into a conversation about the title, which we might come back to, Luke. <laughs> I think we may.
1: It's very similar in tone to The Watcher in the fact that, like you say, everybody's a bit dodgy, nobody's who they seem. She's not who she seems. There's a bit weird bit where she is part of the search party and she goes over to a bit of a woods and appears to know something is there, uncovers it and covers it back up again. The woman who's adopted this young boy has this strange pastime of collecting dolls and dressing them up and put them in the shed it's a difficult one for me to review with a great deal of depth because it doesn't have a great deal of depth it is exactly what it is It is this twisty thriller you can't really believe this would happen or that people like this really exist every time i tried to get a handle on who people were they would give them a sort of a strange quirk so i thought craig parkinson's character would initially be this grounding person but then he gets all itchy feet when she helps the father of the missing child at the house and says we can't stay and he's really strange about it and then the neighbor i thought was fine and then she's got this weird shed of dolls so it tries to keep wrong footing you and i it wound me up slightly towards the end i was already sort of mentally turning off but it's a really tricky thing for me to review objectively because it isn't to a standard of of drama that i enjoyed i mean let's talk about the title the title is weird
0: yeah it's such a shame isn't it because we've had the parody on netflix of the woman in the window of the house across the street of the girl in the train and that's all it reminded me of and i think it was it was a shame that i went into it thinking of that because that is what stayed with me throughout i thought oh you know, this could be a parody. It, <laughs> I know it's set up to be a very sombre drama at times and there's some very serious things happening in it, but it could very easily tilt into a parody of the similar type, you know, you say twisty twisty yeah. thriller. My understanding from reading around it was it was originally going to be called The Winter Child, which I much prefer as a, as a yes. title. I know TV shows don't live and die on titles, but The House Across It is just so bland is it and when I started looking it up because I wanted to have a look to see what other people were saying about it it was really really difficult to find anything on it at all because it was getting merged in with the other the parodies and the other things I really wanted to like it this on the surface has me stamped all over it. I love crime drama. It's the thing that brings me back to television over and over again. So Karen Pirrie, for example, that's recently been on ITV, couldn't get enough of that. You know, we've talked about Cracker already on the podcast. Crime Suspects. These are the things I grew up on. Murder, She Wrote, even if you're going to, you know, Cabot Cove and Jessica Fletcher.
3: IP Angela Lansbury, absolute, by the way. It's yeah,
0: awesome. uh, it's like topically, yeah. Uh, those are the things that i grew up on and therefore i should be absolutely tuned into this but i found it really inconsistent you know as matt says she's reclusive we could you know she sat alone in the school canteen she's the school nurse she's lovely to the kids but no one seems to be sitting with her in in like the waiting area the reception area wherever they're all they're all sitting having their lunch and then she goes to the doctor and she's a little bit strange with the doctor who's looking at a mastectomy scar. Oh, she's like touching oh. the top of his head. So you say, like, Oh, she's a little bit strong. What's going on here? But the next minute, she's made friends with one of my favorite actors on telly, uh, Craig Parkinson. <laughs> so she seems to be making friends with him really easily. And they're sitting and together. Importantly, and she's
1: sitting... he's friends with her quite quickly as well. Mm. And you would think yeah. she'd think she's a bit.
3: And then he just starts <laughs> drinking out of a hip flask. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. That was a warning sign, wasn't it? <laughs> And then also, like you say, the the characters around her, the neighbors. Uh, there's one particular neighbor played by Sarah Powell, and I couldn't figure out does she know her? Maybe they don't know because she's she's now talking about she had some news that was good with this cake, and then she's in her house and she's talking to her son, and I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And obviously, then we get the the shed with the dolls. It just I, I just couldn't work it around. My other thing was. I was a little bit disappointed with the dialogue. I found oh, yeah. it clunky at times. There's the young son who's adopted who is a wheelchair user and there is this it's a very tropey line my son's a wheelchair user so I'm quite mm. attuned to it. And there's this clunky line about how Emily the missing child was the only one who treated him like know. you know and I don't know the the words but like a normal person. I think that was like the vibe that they were going for. Saying that he's he's all alone because he's different in a because and I just found, oh it just it rankled me a, a little bit that he sat on his own and Emily was the only one who treated him like a person. Oh! You know, you yeah, can hear exactly, it in my voice, it just
1: exactly, like, oh.
0: exactly. I um, felt the same way. It was a bit of a slog, I have to be honest.
3: I didn't find it a slog as such, I got through it in one go. And I think the acting from Shirley Henderson and Craig Parkinson, I think that lifts it possibly more than the um, material deserves. I think I had the similar issue that you, Luke, that when everybody is a bit dodgy, who is there to sort of hang your hat on, really, you need that proxy figure. And like you, I thought that would be Craig when he came into it, because he was this jovial figure that she was sort of looking at from afar. He was really good with his students. And then as soon as we see him the first time, he's got that hip flask out and he's berating his ex-partner for not, bringing his kids to him and instantly they're just like best mates all of a sudden and he's ordering pizza for her son and things like that. You know, you said about Shirley Henderson she has sort of become this role really, hasn't she? You know, as you said I think Happy Valley was the first one and then after that I think she was in uh, Agatha Christie was she? Was it the Poirot? And also she was the mum in the nest, wasn't she?
2: Here in Key West, we were out The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization.
1: Earned great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in
2: recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash usbp.
1: Oh, I've forgotten that as well.
3: But yeah, so she has sort of fallen into this like slightly kooky supporting performer, say, taking the lead. It's It's hard to follow that sort of character when she's meant to be our proxy learning all these things. And is there something more going on with her as well? And that's the thing. We need someone who's, quote unquote, a little bit normal to follow along. I just found it all a bit disorientating. You just don't want to really spend time with it because... Mm -hmm. Other people don't want to spend time with her. That's the, the <laughs> thing that we learn. Like No it. one wants to spend time with her, so why should we want to?
1: The House Across the Street starts Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday for the next two weeks on Channel 5. And finally, we're going to talk about uh, Shantaram, which is the new epic romantic crime hoist thriller from Apple TV that Matt is just going to talk to us about and then we'll give our opinions on, as is the format.
3: Glad you picked up on that after 11 years. Um, The (laughs) adaptation. I saw a pattern. This is an adaptation of a Gregory David Roberts novel. It's set in the 1980s and stars Charlie Humman. Initially, he's a character called Dale, but then uh, goes on the run and um, goes by the name of Lynn. He is initially a psychology student turned convict. He escapes from an Australian prison. He's armed with money from his former professor and makes his way to Bombay. He then befriends occupants of a bar called Ronaldo, which is frequented by a colorful assortment of characters, let's just say. He begins to run afoul of the police and goes, I've got to move on. But then one of his new associates, Carla, asks him to uh, rescue another friend, Lisa, who's a sex worker from like this really dangerous brothel where she started working. Apparently, he's really good at accents, despite the fact that Charlie Hunman hasn't, let's say, successfully nailed the Australian accent Damn in you,
1: Matt, that was my only comment.
3: <laughs> Sounded rather Irish throughout. I'm just going to leave Luke hanging and go to a later <laughs> on this one.
0: But isn't he meant to be from New Zealand? Um, I don't know whether I've read that they or read it wrong. They
3: New Zealand, maybe mm. he's from New Zealand, the prison was definitely Australia. <laughs>
0: yeah, the prison was definitely, it was definitely Australia yeah. because we knew it was Australia because they gave us it in great big letters across the screen, Australia, and later when he goes to India, we're told we're in India, and then it's 1982, so that's really good for someone like me who has terrible geography. It's a proper glossy epic, isn't it? I mean Charlie Hunnam's from Round My Way. He is from the Northeast, so I am obliged to like him in everything. And I do I do really like it. I do find him a, a compelling presence. And despite the accents that are that are coming thick and fast through this for plot reasons and not, I was happy to go on the journey with him. There is this prison escape scene right at the beginning that i i thought was great It really really captured my imagination him and his friend having to get tools to get out of the prison are they going to make it he's sliding down the wall who's going to find him there's a guy with a gun is he going to get shot all of that i thought that was really really well done it was like prison break style but then when we got into his travels and his exploits and like you say matt these these colorful cast of characters and it's a wonderful way of playing it in in ronaldo's it all got a little bit, I don't know, it felt very inauthentic. I felt that there were some problematic elements with the portrayal of people in India. It was fine. I think I enjoyed it. I think, but but it was sort of diminishing returns as, as we went on and as people became, these, these characters became just characters rather than real people. And as his motivation seemed to turn and twist, and he's a lovable rogue. I think we're meant to think of him as. You know, he was a paramedic, but then he was an addict, and then he was a criminal, and there was some form of armed robbery. But then he was beaten up by the police, so we we got to be sympathetic to him. there and I wasn't quite sure where we're going. And like you say, Matt, at the end, you're left with this. You know, you you're you're seeing each of the characters in their situations and the voiceover tells us, you know, little did I know that those things would lead to terrible things in the future and for everyone involved. And that really should have made me want to go, oh, okay, episode two, but it didn't. It didn't. I just kind of thought, "Mm, maybe I'll go there if I haven't got anything else to watch.
1: You haven't finished Severance is all I'm saying. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. He says that to me every week. I'm not one
1: for your big, sprawling uh, epics, really. I like more down-to-earth, grittier stuff. And I, I I, have been won over, you know, Deadwood is that special thing which is a big, sprawling epic, but also gritty and sweary and feels like authentic real life. Pachinko from Apple earlier this year was quite mesmerising and a big epic. I have a bigger issue with Charlie Hunnam here. It's very telling that he spends a lot of the episode with his top off. I think that's why he was cast. I've never warmed to him as a performer. Even if you go back to his very first role in Queer as Folk. I know he was very young. and I know that was a difficult role to play, I'm sure. But it, it, he ruined that entire show if you go back and rewatch it. It's a very strange role that he plays and I've never been able to warm to him and the the irony of them all being wowed by his abilities to do accents when he can't quite nail the one he's doing in the show is is quite something. You know I have a thing about voiceover, don't do voiceover, that's what tells me it's taken from a book rather than somebody sitting down and writing this fresh. And
3: the voiceover was very intermittent when it was like oh we need to explain this bit of the plot it wasn't like voiceover from the outset it was like oh we can't do this any other way let's do a voiceover
1: i kept having to remind myself as well that this was 1982 i couldn't quite get my head around the fact that this was going on at the same time as spandau ballet it didn't quite make sense to me <laughs> because it, it felt like this should be the 40s or you know just mm. the way the way india was prison escape was done well But everything from there, once they got there, just didn't keep my interest. And I have to tell you now, I don't know if you spotted it on the screening site, 12 hours this Mm, is. That was going to be my point. How on earth have they made this 12 hours? We're we're getting less shows, more quality, less quantity is what we're aiming for. I mean, I could have watched another two episodes of Bad Sisters, so that steps all over Mm. my point. But this being 12 hours, I just didn't think the world was interesting enough. The characters weren't well-drawn enough. I suppose some people will watch this and get swept up in how beautiful it looks and how it's a different setting than we're used to. There's, from what I can tell in the first episode, there's at least no creepy neighbours. So it's got <laughs> it's got, got, something going for it, but there are 12 hours. There's people overdosing yet. in the neighbouring rooms. yeah. yeah. In I've liked a lot of things like this I like the Nick which was set in the 40s With Clive Owen in this sort of uh, Hospital I like Ripper Street from the years ago On, on BBC You're comparing it to like a costume drama And it's not, mm-hmm. as you say, it's the 1980s it's, it's more yeah, or less within our it lifetime feels isn't like, It feels like I couldn't stop thinking it, it in, the, in, this, in my mind It was going on at the same time As something like Boardwalk Empire Not the same time as Kajagoogoo <laughs> You <laughs> just
3: couldn't work it out. Oh it's a sin to do yeah.
1: it. Yeah, or oh, it's a sin, exactly.
0: Yeah. Imagine
1: Richie turning up in Bombay and going, I'd go, hang on, you're at least 40 years too early to turn
0: up. Yeah, you can't imagine it on the uh, on the old jukebox in Ronaldo's, can you? You yeah. you sort of feel like Ronaldo's is like this speakeasy, yeah. like you say, from the 40s. Yeah. It's
1: Casablanca, isn't it? Really? Mm. If really they'd the put on Don't You Want Me by the Human League, I think my draw would have dropped. <laughs>
0: speaking of clunky dialogue and I've already, I've already oh, rang that bell a few times but this uh, <laughs> Lisa the sex worker I, I had it written down she's somehow sad and sexy as hell all at the same time
3: they all speak to each other in like inspirational quotes and like <laughs> I thought I was locked up before but now I'm a prisoner to my emotions or whatever you know things like that things that nobody would ever say
1: you've probably I mean... not listened to the honeymoon period podcast <laughs>
3: true i'm sort of more with you luke in terms of charlie human. Hunman- as you say the shirtless acting every time we flash <laughs> back to the whipping it felt like that was that why that was there for i thought it looks fantastic and they obviously spent a lot of money on the sets and the camera work and everything like that but the characters were very one-dimensional as you say it does feel very dragged out because we've got 12 episodes and may well be adapted from a book but I don't know if there's that much material you possibly could have shortened it down a bit you know we were saying this last week about the two true crime dramas that we talked about one was a lot snappier because it had less episodes so maybe that would be something but I don't even know if that would have saved this really this was the one that I found the hardest to watch of the four that we've done this week it took me a couple of sittings to get through it I just found it really hard to watch. I'm not quite sure why, but it was just very dry, I think. There wasn't a lot.
1: It feels overly written. The characters f- don't feel like people that you see in 1982. 1982, I just can't believe that Martin Kemp could have walked into that bar at some point, and I would have gone... You've not seen episode you-? four, Luke. That's true. Boy George <laughs> performing at, at the bar. That's what it comes in. That's what they spend the money on.
3: That's what it's they should a, do, like, have, like, live music every week at the
2: at the club.
1: Just a load of 80. Paul Young, you can get them all over to do a turn at the bar. I don't Mid-Jew. know. mid could even turn up. You know, all of them. Any
3: more, Luke? <laughs> no, well, I'm happy. There. Haircut 100. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Men without hats? I don't know. We could keep going.
3: Can we? <laughs> I'd
1: rather not. you wouldn't. I Wrap might record some, and I might record some and edit them into the podcast. I think of more.
0: Actually, I was the same. I I nearly stopped it part way through, yeah. and then came back yeah. to it. Um, and I just didn't. I knew I wouldn't have the time to, so I, I I kept kept going. But I I did feel my attention wane as we went along. I'm sure I read somewhere that it was originally going to be adapted into a film. And I think it lends itself more to a film. I think it was a Johnny Depp production at one point in time, mm, and Joel Edgerton was down. And you can see it, can't you? You can see because yeah. Johnny Depp's done some of these like these sprawling epics before, where oh, road trips, where he's been, you know, he's a, a criminal that's <laughs> looking for enlightenment. He's done that before. We've seen it before. So I can I can see that. And then there was this idea that Joel Edgerton would be,
3: yeah. In the, I mean, ma- I in could the see main, in the
0: main casting
3: mm-hmm. an antipodeum would make sense.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that, and the fact you've told me it's twelve, hours, I didn't know it was twelve hours. That has put me off completely. I don't yeah. think I'll be going back to it.
1: Okay, that is Shantaram. What was the title referring to, Matt? Do we know what the I'm not
3: title sure, is? If I'm honest. Okay.
0: I didn't. I didn't know that either. I was. I was hoping was it, someone it, else were, know. It,
3: Like a. um Expression or something like that. That's what I, I took know. it to be.
1: Weirdly, none of us that intrigued to do homework <laughs> to find what the title meant. Uh, Shantaram is is available in three episodes on Apple TV Plus now. The rest will be dropping every Friday. But as I say to Elaine, you haven't finished Severance yet, so don't That's cancel. True. Don't cancel it. There is a show on another streaming service, Amazon Freevee. It's a show called High School. High School which is really, really good, and I wish we'd substituted for one of these shows. I wish I'd known it was on. I don't think Amazon knew it was on till Friday (laughs) when it arrived, but it's really, really good, and uh, Dawn's written a review for that, which will be up on the website now, so please check that out. And Elaine, remind us where people can find you and the name of your podcast and so forth.
0: So the name of our podcast is The Honeymoon Period Podcast, and you can find us at The Honeymoon Pod on Instagram and Twitter and anywhere you get your podcast from.
1: And how often do you drop new episodes? As the kids say.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, not as frequently as we did during lockdown when <laughs> we were just stuck in Don't a room wish together. Wish another lockdown on us. <laughs> I'm not. I'm absolutely not. But we we we, um, we had each other's attention quite significantly during that time. Um, we we try to get something out every couple of weeks. Depending, we have a we have a three-year-old um, that okay. keeps us awake during the night. So it depends on uh, the amount of sleep that we've had.
1: Thank you very much for being our new voice, Elaine. We really appreciate it. Make sure you find the Honeymoon Period podcast and listen back to some of their reviews, particularly of the show. We all love bad sisters. Go and find out what they thought. And if I hear you talking about the house across the street in Shantaram, I look forward to your different views.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think we'll I don't think we'll be covering those.
1: Okay. Also, if you'd like to be a, like Elaine and be a new voice, she can attest it wasn't as awful as she first thought. Uh, no, can...
0: not at all. It was brilliant. Get yourself on.
1: CustardTVReviews at gmail is an email you can use. Also, got the get in touch section of the website and our Twitters. At Luke Custer TV, at Mads TV Bites, and at Custard TV Pod, we've got so many ways of getting in touch with us. It's almost a shame you haven't just done it by now. Elaine did it, and look what we made her watch. She enjoyed ten <laughs> percent of it. So you know, could you better that? Do you think? Uh, possibly, if you'd like to join us and be another voice, we'd love to have you on. Thank you so much,
0: Elaine. Thank you so much. I've absolutely loved it. Bye.
3: Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook.